because we're together today in, in this prophetic act. We take up the prophetic scriptures today. On your screen, this verse will be there. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. In other words, all that we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, notice, notice those words. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope, the hope of seeing him, the, the hope of his return, purifies himself just as he is pure. Now, I will have you note today the phrase, when he is revealed. In the NLT, it says, when Christ appears. And I want to use those words for a title today, when Christ appears. We prayed and we asked the Lord to, to help us today. Over the past several weeks, we've been talking about identity, really. We've been talking about our spiritual identity, that is, in Christ, that is, being born again. Greatest thing that can happen to a human being this side of heaven is to be born again. In other words, to come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Today, we want to turn that coin over in a sense. And I'm going to talk about, not about identity, but about the destiny of those who have identity in Christ, the destiny of the church, the destiny of those who know Jesus. There is coming a day, there's coming a glorious day. And I would add, there's coming a day only known to, only known to the Father when Christ will return for his children. In the passage that we have just read, it phrases it again like this, when Christ appears. Now the Bible is a prophetic book. I think the fulfilled prophecies of the word of God not only speak of its supernatural nature, this is a supernatural book by the way, but also speaks of its veracity, of its reliability. In other words, you, you can rely on the word of God. All the mystics and all those that prognosticate are going to all be found wrong one day. But I can tell you this, this book will never be found wrong because it is a reliable source for guidance in this present life and through this life, but it's also a, a reliable prophetic guide to where we're headed, to where our future is. Matthew said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall never pass away. When Jesus came the first time in his first coming, 
There were many prophecies that he fulfilled. They were fulfilled not spiritually, not metaphorically, but they were fulfilled literally. Let me share a few of those with you, just relating to the confidence that we can have into the prophetic scripture. Think about all the prophecies. I'm going to have to go through these. I have a lot to say. And so if, I, if you would just really focus in with me in these moments, I, I believe that what I'm saying is vitally important to the church today. But think about the prophecies. I'm just going to go through a litany of prophecies. The first prophecy we have is in Genesis 3.15, where that the seed of the woman would bruise the serpent's head, Genesis 3.15. Fulfilled in Galatians 4.4, 4, Christ Jesus born of a woman in the fullness of time under the law. John said this, that the devil sins from the beginning, but the purpose of the Son of God was manifest that he may destroy the works of the devil. We just had communion. We focusing on the cross. That was his death knell. He said of, the, of Messiah, Jesus, that he would be a descendant of Abraham. Genesis 12, 3. Matthew 1 and 1 says that he is the son of Abraham. He said in the Old Testament prophecies, he would be from the tribe of Judah. Genesis 49, 10. Luke 3.33 says just that. He is a son of Judah. He would be a descendant of the throne of David. The, the great verses that we love to quote mostly during Christmas. For unto us a child is born, a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders. She shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But reading on of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward forevermore. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Luke fulfilled in the New Testament, Luke 132, he will be great and called the son of the highest and the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. The prophet of scripture said that Jesus, Messiah Jesus would be eternal. Micah phrased it this way. It says, who's going forth for of old and from everlasting and it, we're in the Gospel of John in our teaching on Wednesday night. And in John 8, 58, Jesus said, Before Abraham was, I am. The prophet of Scripture said that he would be anointed by the Spirit of God. Mount Isaiah, the great gospel prophet of the Old Testament, said this, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And we come to its fulfillment as Jesus is standing on the shores of Jordan. And there John sees a vision and the spirit of the Lord descending like a dove and the spirit of God fulfills Messiah Jesus. The Bible is very specific. You know, there's no prophecies in Hinduism. There's no prophecies that, that I know in Buddhism. There's no prophecies in the Quran. But I'm telling you, this is a prophetic book. Very specific where he would be born. Micah said it was Bethlehem of Ephrathah. And, and in Matthew chapter 2, it says that he was born in Bethlehem. Even the Pharisees, when asked by Herod, where will he be born? The, he said the word of God says it's in Bethlehem. And the amazing prophetic scripture that even the specific time you're talking about specifics, so specific and so amazing that liberal scholars attack it, attack it. There's no way that someone like Daniel could prophesy of these things. Surely he had to live in another time. No, my friend, this book is supernatural. 
And it says of Jesus in Daniel 9, 25, knowing therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, that's Jesus, there should be 62 weeks, seven, uh, seven weeks and 62 weeks, and the street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times. And in Luke chapter 2, we have the fulfillment. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out of Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. Very specific. You can trace it out mathematically. The prophet of scripture said that in his first coming that he would be born of a virgin. In Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 said the virgin conceived and Joseph did not know her until after Jesus was born. Prophecies, the slaughter of children that Jeremiah 30, 31, 15 talked about in Matthew, Matthew chapter 2 talks about that, that the children were slaughtered. Herod did that. Hosea 11, 1 talks about his flight to Egypt and Matthew 2, 14 sees that fulfilled many, many years later. It says in the prophetic scripture that the way would be prepared and the word of God says that John the Baptist was that one, that was he was the forerunner. Word of God said that he would be declared, be declared the son of God. I read the verse, was reading it this morning in Psalm 2 in verse 7. I will decree the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today have I begotten you. And there at the Jordan, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. The prophetic scriptures of the Old Testament, which is what Paul preached out of, and how they proved that Jesus was the Christ to the early Jewish people, that he would have a healing ministry. The lame would walk. The ears would be unstopped. And Matthew 11, verse 5, talks about that. When he told John the Baptist, you go tell him, the blind see, the lame walk, lepers hear, or lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor of the gospel preached. Isaiah talks about he'll have a Galilean ministry. Those that dwell in darkness have seen great light. And Matthew chapter 4 talks about the great Galilean ministry. Psalm 78 said he'll speak in parables. And then in the New Testament says that he spoke almost exclusively in parables. Deuteronomy says he'll be a prophet. Acts says he was that prophet. Isaiah chapter 9 says the name of God would be applied to him. And Romans 10, 9 said that he is the Lord. We declare, we confess him as the Lord. And every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that the Lord, that he is the Lord. He will bind up the brokenhearted. Isaiah 61, Luke 4 talks about that. He will be rejected by the Jews. The word of God, Old and New Testament fulfills it, of course. He will be adored by persons. And revered as a great one, the, the Magi came and did that, the wise men. He would be a priest in the order of Melchizedek. There would be a triumphal entry. He would be adored by infants. He would not be believed. He would be betrayed by a close friend. He would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. He would be accused by false witnesses. He would be silent before his accusers. He would be spat upon and struck. He would be hated for no reason. His death would be vicarious and sacrificial. He would be crucified with malefactors, the thieves. His hands and feet would be pierced. He would be sneered upon. He would be mocked. He would be reproached. He would pray for his enemies. Psalm 109.4 in Luke 23.34 records that. The soldiers would gamble for his clothing. He would be forsaken by God. No bone would be broken. His side would be pierced. He would be buried with the rich. He would be resurrected and he would ascend to the right hand of God. 
all spoken hundreds of years and even thousands of years before Christ was born. And yet every single one of them was fulfilled literally. First coming. So as we open the word of God, we see the prophetic word about his second coming. As I've read, he shall come. His coming will not be metaphorical. It will not simply be spiritual. It will not be allegorical. But his coming will be literal. The word I read to you, it said, when he appears. I want to talk about that appearing for a moment. And I pray that you will listen. Five questions about his coming. Literal coming. When will we see him? When we see him, we should become like him because we'll see him as he is. When When he comes, when will he come? When will he return? Now, most fundamental Christians believe in some kind of coming of Jesus. I find that it's really not if he will come. If most Christians, I would say most all Christians, there may be few little groups here and there that kind of have some strange beliefs, but the, the word of God is very clear. So I don't think really the issue that we deal with is if he is coming. I think where we wrangle and in Christianity is when he'll come. He's coming. When's he going to come? And I want to shoot straight to with you today because we have to have integrity when we look at the word of God. You know, I've seen the, the chart spread out and you see all the dispensational charts and all this and that. And it just seems so clear. I mean, so it seems so and all the T's are crossed, you know, all the all the I's are, are dotted there and they got it mapped out so perfectly. And there are some people that view that that we're just going to be caught up and we're not going to have to deal with any troubles or trials and storms. And and it seems so American gospel to me. But I'll just be frank with you, my friend. I don't think it's that cut and dry. I think that kind of view of the scripture that's just kind of, in a sense, and I'm not being unkind, but, but instead of really digging in the prophetic word about the coming of the Lord, it's almost like we're parroting something. We, you know, I heard somebody say it, so, you know, it's kind of it. But I want to see what God's word really says about this. I think there is a view that is, that will not help us get ready for what's coming. And I'm going to tell you, I think some things are coming before the Lord catches us away. I'm just not sure it's so simple. My concern is this. My concern is that we won't be ready for the coming persecution before Jesus takes us all away. Paul spoke to the Thessalonians. This is a very early writing. Thessalonians 2, the second book of Thessalonians and he reads like this, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Listen to this. My brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or word or letter as from us, as though the day of Christ had come. So they were afraid they'd miss the coming of the Lord. Notice what Paul says. Let no one deceive you by any means for, for that day will not come unless there, unless the falling away comes first, there is going to be an apostasy. That's the word we get apostasy, a falling away from the faith. 
I mean, before Jesus comes, we may see a huge defection of Christianity in our world today. And I think that's what the word prophesies. And it says, and the man of sin is revealed. The son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was with you, when I was still with you, I told you these things. And now uh, you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they may be saved. I just don't believe it's going to be this simple. I believe the church is going to face some things and you need to be ready. It's part of my calling to get you ready. Why do I believe this? Why do I believe that we're just not going to escape everything? One of the reasons is, is how the age, this age, prophetically unfolds. We're going to look at what Jesus said, and we're going to look at what John said, because they go together. See, I don't believe the world is going to get better, but I think the world's going to get much worse. In fact, I think the world prophetically is going to get much, much worse. And we've got to be the church in that kind of world. And we can. So what, what, are, what are the days leading up to the coming of Jesus? What would they look like? Jesus told us. Jesus gave us this kind of broad sweep of the age. Of how, what will happen. What the church is going to be doing. How it will progress. And we definitely know how it's going to consummate. Now, as we look at, I'm going to read some verses. I'm going to compare some verses. Matthew 24 and Revelation 6 parallel each other. John says what Jesus said. They literally fit together. It's amazing. It's amazing the unity of the word of God. Now, what's happening here in Matthew 24, and I, I, I certainly for time's sake, I can't just read the whole chapters, so I'm going to compare these but these will be on the video. You can go back and watch all these. Write these down. Jesus and his disciples are leaving the temple. And they ask him a question. Here's the question. Then Jesus went out of the departed the temple. And his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, do you see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone will be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as he said... On the Mount of Olives. So apparently he leaves the temple. He goes down to the Kedron Valley. Valley. Now he's on the Mount of Olives. And he's looking at Jerusalem at the temple. <clears throat> the disciples came to him privately. Listen to the question. Tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming? And of the end of the age? When, when is this judgment upon the temple? When are the stones going to be fallen down. And, and how is the age? How is it going to end? What's it going to look like? And Jesus begins this prophetic pronouncement, if you will, 
as he goes through the age and how it progresses and how it will consummate. Both of these passages, Matthew 24 and Luke 6, give us a picture of the age. So what's going to happen? First of all, Jesus says Antichrist and John and Daniel. Now read a passage out of Daniel. What, what Antichrist is coming. Did you hear me? Antichrist is coming. There, there is a man of sin. He's the son of perdition. He will lead the last form of Gentile government before Jesus returns. The scripture is clear on this. I'll read a passage in Daniel chapter 7 verse 21. Please look at the screen. I was watching and I saw and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them. Until the, until the ancient of days came and judgment was made in the favor of the saints of the Most High. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Thus he said, the fourth, fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on the earth. Which shall be different from all the other kingdoms. We really don't know prophetically, we really don't know how this kingdom was different. And shall devour the whole earth and trample it and break it into pieces. Now notice this, out of this kingdom, this Roman kingdom, is going to emerge the last form of Gentile. He's giving us the area that Antichrist and that final form of Gentile government will rise. Listen to the words. The ten horns are kings who shall arise from this kingdom. And another shall rise after them. He shall be different from the first ones. And shall subdue three kings. So there's going to be three kingdoms, three nations some way. And out of that, Antichrist is going to make war probably and uproot those kingdoms. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High. Shall persecute the saints of the Most High. And shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand. He's going to be a great persecutor of God's people. For time, times, and half a time. And the court shall be seated. And, then shall, then, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it forever. The, listen to this. This is awesome. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And all dominions shall serve and obey him. A Lord is going to come and he has another vision that's similar to this of a stone cut out without hands that strikes this kingdom and grinds it into powder. And that kingdom, Jesus' kingdom, fills the whole earth. Revelation 6.1 tells us this. John says, and I saw when, a lamb, when the lamb, that's Jesus, opened one of the seals and I heard one of the, living, one of the four living creatures say, with a voice like thunder, come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him. And what did he do? He went, to con he went out conquering and to conquer. The parallel passage of this is Matthew 24, verse 5. And many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and will deceive many. Antichrist is coming. There've been many antichrists. There's been many precursors to the antichrist. Adolf Hitler was a precursor. Antiochus Epiphanes that persecuted God's people coming in before the New Testament. 
and the Maccabees. He was a precursor. There had been many antichrists, but there's coming one who will be the son of perdition. And here, I believe in, in Revelation 6 and 1 and 2, the white horse is antichrist, the false Christ, rising out. He's going to conquer and he's going to go forth conquering. And then what is he going to do when he goes forth? Well, we know. It says in Revelation 3 and 4, as he goes forth, here's what's going to happen in the, in the world. Peace is going to be taken from the earth. And when he opened the second seal... I heard the second living creature saying, come and see. And another horse, fiery red, went out. And he gathered, and it was granted to one, the one who sat to take peace from the earth and the people, that people should kill one another. And that there was given him a great sword. He's going, to, he's going to have a great military machine. Jesus said this in paralleling this verse, Matthew 24, 6 and 7. You shall hear wars and rumors of war. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. What is this age going to play out? Antichrist is going to begin to conquer and to go forth conquering. He's going to begin to have a great sword. He's going to uproot three kingdoms, and peace is going to be taken from the earth. What's going to happen? We, we know Revelation 6, 5 and 6 says there's going to be famine and scarcity. The truth is, we have never known hunger in my lifetime in this nation. There has been a time in the Great Depression when there was hunger. People looked for jobs and they were scarce. It was a very difficult time. The word of God says at this, as this age plays out, there's going to be a time of incredible famine and scarcity. It says, and when the third seal, when he opened the third seal, that's the Lord Jesus opening the seals. I heard the third living creature say, come and see. So I looked and behold a black horse and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not harm the oil and the wine. So basically what we have here, a denarius was a day's wage. It took, it took whatever you make in one day, all you could buy is a quart of wheat, three quarts of, of barley that is. And barley was, the, was uh, very inferior in nutrition, and it was the food of poor people. And you have to work all day, basically, to have just enough food to feed yourself, not even your family. Jesus prophesied in paralleling this passage, says in Matthew 24, 7, For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines. There will be famines. What's going to happen in our world, Pastor, before Jesus comes, leading up to his coming? The Bible says there's going to be widespread death. In this pandemic, we've lost, what, in America, was it 700,000 people? And I don't think that's worldwide. It may be, but I don't think it is. I would say, and this is my opinion, this pandemic is very mild compared to what we're going to see in our world. Revelation 6, verse 7 says, when he opened, that's Jesus opening the seals, he opened the fourth seal and he heard the fourth living creature say, come and see. And I looked and behold, a pale horse and the name who set up on it was death and Hades 
followed with him. And power was given him over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and with the beast of the earth, which is a reference. The beast of the earth is a reference to Ezekiel 14, 21 and Ezekiel 33, 27. Jesus had already said this in Matthew 24, 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. For then shall there be great tribulation since it has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, not, nor ever shall be. There is a prophecy in Scripture about death in a, in a manner and in a measure and in a scope that is almost unthinkable. Can you imagine a fourth of the earth dying in a, in a short period of time? Sword, famine, plague, and wild beast. What's, what's going to be taking place to those that follow Jesus? We know. Revelation 6, 9. And when, I opened the, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the, the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God, for the testimony which they held. This is describing a group of people that are loyal to Jesus Christ. These are those who are going to seal their life with blood. They're called the martyrs. And they cried out with a loud voice, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood and those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them. It was said to them that they should rest for a little while until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were, were, was completed. Jesus said this in Matthew 24, 9 and 22. They shall deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. You will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. What is that name? Say it. Who are, who are those who follow Jesus Christians follow Jesus. In 22 of Matthew 24, unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, sakes, those days will be shortened. 1 Thessalonians 1, 4 says to the, to the Thessalonians, you know your election by God. We are the elect people of the Lord. How is this age going to play out? I'm telling you, we got to get serious, church. This age is going to play out this way. Antichrist is coming to lead the last form of Gentile government. Peace will be taken from the earth. We're going to see incredible famines. There's going to be sword and famine and plague. There's going to be widespread death. There's going to be persecution of the saints. But that's not the end of the story. There's going to be a resurrection. There's going to be a a catching away of God's people. Notice this. Revelation 7, verse 9. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. 
All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, and blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes? <clears throat> and where did they come from? Where did these people come from? And he said to me, Sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones who came out of great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Jesus said this in Matthew 24, 31, and he will send his angels with a great shout of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect, his people from the four winds and from one end of heaven to the other. What's, gonna, what's this age going to play out as? I'm telling you, Antichrist is coming. I'm, I'm telling you, peace will be taken from the earth. I'm telling you, there's going to be widespread death. I'm telling you, there's going to be persecution of God's people. But I'm also telling you, there's going to be a catching up of God's people into heaven. There's also going to be, as this age concludes, great cosmic disturbances. Notice how... The prophetic scripture describes the coming of Jesus. Revelation 6, 12. I looked and when the sixth seal, when he opened the sixth seal, behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became like blood and the stars of heaven fell to the earth. Probably a meteor shower. As the figs dropped their late figs, as the fig trees drop their late figs, when it is shaken by a mighty wind, then the, then the sky will receded as a scroll. John's seeing this in a vision. When it is rolled up and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. Jesus said this first in 24, 29, Matthew 24, 29. Immediately after the, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. When Christ comes, this world will be shaken to its very core. And in this, the church has a mission. In this age, what you, in the middle of this, we, we have this information we have this prophetic scripture that tells us how the age will pre pre play out. And we've mentioned to you in this message the persecution of God's people. So what do we do? Do we, do we get a hut and go to you know, Wyoming or Montana and hide out? No. In the middle of this, we have a mission to do what? To proclaim the gospel. Because there's an incredible promise for us as we watch these events unfold. Here's what Jesus said. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things which I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. Notice this. I am with you always, even to the end of this age, in the middle of this chaos, in the middle of Antichrist, whenever he comes, in the middle of bloodshed, in the middle of loss, in the middle of pain, in the middle of judgments, we have Christ with us. We have the presence of the Lord with us. We have a mission to go forth and proclaim the gospel that the kingdom is coming. 
And they need to get out of Babylon. And they need to get in Christ. And they need to be saved. Because time is running out. When will we see him? According to the prophetic scriptures, we're going to see Jesus when he blows the trumpet and the angels are commanded to go out and he gathers the precious saints of God and we're all gathered together around the throne of God. But the Bible said before this, the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness and then the end will come. So we shouldn't just be looking up at the sky. We need to be busy doing God's work. We need to be busy building this church. We need to be busy telling people about Jesus. Because the end is coming. When will we see him? When he gathers us. He's going to send the angels. And not one child of God that has faith in him will be left or lost. Hallelujah. Here's the second thing, and these will be quick. How will we see him? It says, we shall see him, in the text I read, as he is. We shall see him as he is. That means this. When we see him, we will see the real Jesus in all of his glory. Now, during their earthly ministry, they saw Jesus. In the first verse of, of this little, of First John, it says they ate with him, they touched him, they heard him, they, they, they experienced the physical Jesus in his incarnation. After his resurrection... From the dead, they saw him. He taught them for 40 days. He ate with them. He showed them his riven sides. Later, John sees him in a vision on Patmos in an incredible display of his glory and majesty that, that words fail. But we don't miss out. We shall see him. Notice the word, for we shall see him as he is. Listen, this was the prayer of Jesus in John 17, verse 24. Father, I desire those whom you gave me to be with me that where I am, that they may behold my glory, that they may see me. Paul said this in Corinthians, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now we know in part, but then we shall know even as we are known. And then in the last part of Revelation 22, 4, they shall see his face and his name shall be in his forehead. So how will we see him? We'll see him in all of his majestic majesty and all of his glory. We will see him. The one prophesied in the Old Testament, him. The one who was born to the virgin, him. The one who lived 33 and a half years, him. The one who died on the cross and the one who raised from the grave, him. And the one returning, we shall see him, our Christ, our living Lord. We'll see him as he am, as he is. Where will we see him? The Bible says we're going to see him in the air. At the blessed hope. First Thessalonians 4 says this, verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who've died, those who've fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For if we if we For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. There's going to be Christians that are faithful, alive at the coming of the Lord. Will by no means precede those who have slept, who have died previously. 
For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. Notice this. Where will we meet him? In the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. We shall see him in the heavens. We shall one day take a trip. We shall be caught up to heaven with him. One of these days, the gravitational forces of this earth will loose their hold and we will go home to our home in heaven because this is not our home anymore. We are strangers. We are pilgrims in this world, but we're going home to be received into heaven one day. We're going to be caught up into the heavenly, into the atmosphere around the earth, into the starry atmosphere the starry heavens, into that place called heaven, the Father's house, where we meet him in the clouds. But I close with these last two. Why will we meet him? I'll read the verse again in 1 John 3. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him why will we see him? There's one reason that we will see him and only one reason that anyone will ever see him. And that is they have become children of God. They have become children of God, not by church membership, not by religion, but they've come, become children of God because they have received the father's love. They have been born again. They have placed their faith in the one who died and rose again. And the, listen, the only thing that qualifies you and I to meet him is this and to see him is this. This, but the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Why will we see him? Because we are his children. There's coming a resurrection. In fact, there's coming a day when John said that all that are in the graves will hear the voice of the Son of God. How powerful is our Jesus? He's going to speak and say, come forth. And listen, those who've done good to the resurrection of the just. Those who've done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. For those that, why will we see him? Because we have been born again. Our sins have been washed away. And those who have trust in Christ receive the resurrection of, of blessedness. The resurrection of blessing with Christ for eternity. But those who reject Christ. Vanished for eternity. How many know these are serious matters? Two different resurrections. I close with this. What will happen when we see him? When we look upon. His face. Bible says we shall see him as he is. It says we shall be like him for we shall see him. You hear that? We shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. There's there's coming a miracle transformation. I don't think anyone could even describe it because I don't think we even know. I don't think there's words to describe it. Paul tried through the spirit and he said these words. 
in Corinthians 15. Now, brethren, I say this, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. We shall be like him when we see it. We shall be changed. Notice this. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruption, this body of death, has put on incorruption, we're going to get new bodies. This mortal has put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, your grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Listen, what we're doing here on this property is not in vain, dear ones. What we're doing for Jesus is not in vain. Why? Because we're heading to heaven. We're heading to the coming of the Lord. We're going to get new bodies. We're going to be changed. The only thing worth living for is what we're doing right here now. That look will be so transformative. One look upon his face and in a moment we'll see him like he is. We'll be changed. Just think about this. Right now we're being gradually changed. The Bible says that by the, the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Lord is, Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. We behold as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. And we're being transformed into that same image from what? From glory to glory. That means this, that by the word and the spirit, we're being changed. We're trying to grow more like Jesus. We're becoming more like him. And his, the spirit is working in our lives through the spirit and through the word. And we call that sanctification. It's a gradual change. But the final change won't be gradual. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. As we look upon our Christ, we shall be changed. The sin nature will be gone. Temptation will be gone. Tired bodies will be gone. Sickness will be gone. All emotional issues will be gone. All sadness will be gone. All suffering will be gone. Satan will be gone. Eventually, with just one look upon his face, all life's sorrows shall erase. When he comes, when Jesus comes, we know when he's coming, not the day or the hour, of course. We know who he's coming for. We know when we're going to meet him. We know how our world's going to play out. What shall we do? I want to pray for us. And I, I don't, I'm not going to give an altar call, but I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for our commitment to Christ to go deeper. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself even as he's pure. Christ is the standard. His Holy Spirit is leading us to, to be what he wants us to be. If there's sin in your life, repent of that sin.
Turn it over to Jesus. Let him wash you. Let him cleanse you. If you love Jesus, love him more today. If you love the church, love, love the church more today. If you're serving the Lord, serve him more, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I think it was, I think it was C.S. Lewis in Screwtape Letters, and I may be incorrect on this, but I think it was that, that one of the demons in that book that they portrayed said they were going to try to make, the demons were going to try to make God's people evil or sin, and we can't get them to do that. So the demons said, I'll know what, I'll, I'll just make them busy. And busyness has hurt us spiritually so much. Our world is not conducive, and our, even our American culture any longer. There was a modicum of it at one time, but anymore, it's just so adverse to us. I think we should pray, don't you? Let's pray. Father, we make an altar in our heart right now. Your word, your word declares that we will see him. When we see him, we'll see him as he is, and we'll be changed. I pray for every person under the sound of my voice, that you would do a deep abiding work of your spirit. Lord, we're not chasing experiences. We're chasing obedience. We're chasing loyalty to you, loyalty to your word. Feelings may come and go, but oh, so much of our American church is based on feelings and they're chasing after another exciting this and that. That's why so many Christians are fickle. But Lord, today we want to commit to your lordship. And I pray that you would do a deep and abiding, sanctifying work of the Spirit of the Lord in each of our lives today. I want you to stand as we, somebody just play softly just for another moment here. Just right there where you are, just as, as you stand, don't, don't interrupt anyone, but just, maybe you just want to lift your hands like this and just invite the Holy Spirit to do a work in you. Hallelujah. Do a work in us, Lord Jesus. Do a work in us, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Do a work in us, Lord Jesus. Oh, mighty God. I just really sense the Spirit of the Lord wants to work in each of our lives. Jesus. Just pray a quiet prayer right there. Just something personal between you and the Lord. Do a deeper work in me. Help me to be sanctified. Help me to cleanse myself from the flesh and the Spirit. Let our flesh, our bodies are yours. Our bodies are yours. It's not to be used in inappropriate ways, but our body is for the Lord. Our spirit is for the Lord. Our mind is for the Lord. I pray a deep work of the, your spirit in each of us. Cleanse us. Wash us in your precious blood. Wash us. Pray that prayer. That's a good prayer to pray. Wash me, Jesus in your blood. Wash me by the spirit and the blood. Give me a cleansing today. I want to be clean from this world. I want to be clean in my heart, in my conscience, in my inner man. I want to be clean. And only the blood of Jesus can make you clean. Jesus. Jesus. When our Lord comes, we've got to be ready. We must be ready. Antichrist is going to come on the scene. I mean, it's, our world is already prepared for it. They're softening up toward it. There's people with this, 
with all this medicine and this pandemic and vaccines and all this and that. There's people that have lost jobs because you think people can't control you? Certainly they'll control you. That's the way the world is. But we must obey our God. Jesus. Could we sing something just softly? Would you lead us in a chorus? Jesus. Jesus, we worship you. We worship you, Jesus. If anyone would need special prayer, we'll be here to pray for anyone as long as you want to pray. Any special needs that you may have, we'll be here to minister to you. I would say this as we conclude this service today, and here's what I would remind you of this. The theme that Jesus spoke about again and again as it related to the last days and end times and his coming was be ready. Be ready. Half the virgins weren't ready. Talks about they thought, oh, he would delay his coming. Be ready. Let us be ready for the coming of the Lord. He's coming. I want to see him. You know, the Bible says that those that love him, uh, won't, they're not going to be ashamed at his coming. We long for his coming. We want him to come. Did you get tired of this old world? And you just, oh, Lord Jesus, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Take us to our home. We don't belong here any longer. I guess old Enoch, he walked so long, he got closer to God's house than he did his house, and God just took him home. One of these days, the Lord will take us home to be with him, and then so shall we ever be with the Lord. And so what we have to do as God's children is we have to be careful to not get entangled. We can get entangled when we lose our devotion to the Lord, but we're not called to be conformed to this world. We are the Lord's. 
I say these things today, and I will finish. I say these things today, not to make you fearful, but to give you a reality of what's going to happen. Any Anyone that tells you things are just going to be great, and yeah, you know, we're just going to going to just be easy. I don't believe they're speaking truth. The word says we need to be faithful even to death and we receive the crown of life. Our Lord, our God, I've delivered my heart and your word to your people today. I believe I've told them the truth that what you have said, Jesus, is simply what I wanted to say, though I said it feebly, that this age will play out And there will be difficult days, but yet there will be a people who are sealed. There will be a people who love you and will not go back on their commitment even at the threat of death. They will be faithful unto death, but they're going to receive life. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. We love you, Jesus, more than anything. You died for us. And Lord, we know we're only going to be here for just a little while. Help us to speak to us about entanglements. To not allow the thorns of this world to choke out your life in us. But help us to be committed to you. And surrender to your Lordship. I pray for those that are weak among us. That you would strengthen your family. And when we wake up tomorrow... Let us wake up saying this could be the day when I see his face and may we live in a way that he would smile upon us because he loves us. And Lord, we thank you for this verse that behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. We bask in the love of Calvary. Behold, see how much Jesus loves us. And we long for that day that we enter in the fullness of your love and we enter heaven and we get our new bodies and this sin nature is totally transformed and we become like you because we shall see you as you are. The real Jesus. The real Jesus. And for this we thank you. And all God's people said amen. Thank you for letting me unburden my heart today. God bless you saints as you're dismissed in the Lord.